So we have Bhagavad Gita. We have started chapter 8. And if you recall, there was an interruption last time because I was traveling. So if you recall, um, chapter 8 started with seven questions which were asked by Arjuna to Sri Krishna. And those questions have all been answered. The last one, Arjuna asks, how does one think of God at the end of one's life? And that's really the theme of this chapter. All the other questions, uh, Arjuna, uh, Krishna answers Arjuna at the very beginning, just in two verses. Two, uh, and then from the third verse onwards. Yes. Justin, the first, third, fourth. Yeah, third and fourth verses, Krishna has answered all those questions to Arjuna. And from, the, uh, from verse number five, Till the end of this chapter, the theme is this. How does one think of God at the end of one's life? And why should one do that? And how can one do that? It's a profound message. Something that we should take very seriously, all of us. So I wanted to start with that today. Arjuna's question, the last question he asked at the beginning of the eighth chapter was, so those who are seekers, who are self-controlled, that means who are spiritual seekers, at the time of death, at the time of giving up the body, dying, uh, how, are, how are you, the Lord, how are you known? And so from, we'll jump to verse number five. Krishna starts answering this question and he gives a lot of importance to it. Antakale chamameva smaran muktva kalevaram yafrayati samadbhave yati nastyat yafrayati samadbhavam yati nastyatra samshayaha He who at the time of death remembers me alone and passes, leaving the body attains my being. There is no doubt about this. Antakali. Antakali means at the end time of the end. End means end of, end of this life, at the end of this body, at the time of death. Who thinks of me alone, God alone, mameva, smaran, thinking. Muktva kalevaram. Muktva means giving up, letting go. Kalevaram, the body. Yaf prayati, he who sets out, who leaves this life, who goes, goes beyond this life, who passes. He attains to me, some madbhavam. Madbhavam means my state or my being, but attains me. Some madbhavam yati. And there's no doubt about this. People may have various theories about this. Krishna says, have no doubt about this. This is very important. There is no, no occasion to doubt this. All right, so 
there's a few things one might want to mention about this. Um, the time of physical death has been given a lot of importance here in this verse and in this whole chapter. So I was just thinking, I was reminded of Adi Shankaracharya. Today is the birthday of Adi Shankaracharya, Shankara Jayanti. We will uh, uh, observe this on Sunday, but today just now in the shrine, uh, there was uh, the Alexander family were chanting Manovadhyahankara uh, Hankara Chittani Naham, this glorious, magnificent hymn uh, to one's own real self. Chidananda Rupaha Shiboham Shiboham. So today I was reminded of Shankaracharya, his uh, famous stotra on renunciation. You know, once it, the story goes that he was walking by the bank of a river and he saw this young scholar memorizing Sanskrit grammar, rules of Sanskrit grammar, the sutras of Sanskrit grammar. Apparently there is a, a sutra, Dukrinkarani, he's memorizing, repeating that. And Shankara was overcome with pity. And he said, see, when death comes, grammar is not going to save you. Take the name of the Lord. Bhaja Govindam, Bhaja Govindam, Govindam Bhaja Mudhamate. Worship the Lord, worship Govinda, worship Govinda. Uh, o, o foolish one, worship Govinda. Prapte sannihite marani, nahi nahi rakshati dukrin karani. So that hymn, or that, that stotra, uh, is I'll just read out a, two or three verses from that. Many many people know it as this Bhaja Govinda, you know, uh, worship Govinda. But two or three verses from that, which are relevant to the time of death, the pa uh, passing of our days uh, in vain and uh, the approaching death. So Shankaracharya sings. Dinayaminyo sayam prata, Shishiravasanto punarayata, Kala kridati gachatyayu, Tadapina munchatyashavayu, Bhajago windam, Bhajago windam, Go windam, Bhajamurhamate, Samprapte sannihite kale. So, Samprapti Sanhite Kali or Samprapti Sanhite Marani, there are this Pathantar, there are different versions of this. So, the translation is sunrise and sunset, day and darkness, winter and spring, come and go. So, spring has come now. Ever the course of time is playful. That means time is playing. And it's not in a nice sense. It's more of a mouse, a cat playing with a mouse. You know, <laughs> Time is playing with us. Life itself soon ebbs away. But our vain hope, alas, goes onwards. This vain hope means that something here I will rearrange my life, I will do something, get something, then I will be fulfilled. Something here in this life. And that is not to be. You may do lots of things here and there's not, no harm in that. See, it's not a criticism of the world. We are asking of the world something it's not designed to do. 
you are here if you give something to the world nothing like it if you pursue science and technology and art and creativity wonderful if you do good to others wonderful but if you think any of these activities is going to give you fulfillment is going to give you give us peace lasting peace no it won't because the world is not designed to do that only god can do that only our infinite self can do that therefore what should one do worship govinda worship govinda worship govinda foolish one the rules of grammar profit nothing once the hour of death draws nigh draws nigh means draws close when it is close then once again he sings i'm skipping ahead yavadvito parjana sakta tavad nija parivaro rakta पश्चात जीवति जर्जर देहे वातां पृच्छति कोपि न गेहे भज गोविंदम भज गोविंदम गोविंदम भज मूढमते संप्राप्ते सन्निहिते काले नहीं नहीं रक्षति डोकृन करणे सो व्हेन यू आर कैपेबल ऑफ अर्निंग मनी you are powerful and strong and young and um, with all prospects in life and you know everything at your disposal everybody is enamored of you your family thinks very highly of you but the in later years as age old old age overcomes us when the aging body falters and you come shaking with weakness and you know, leaning on a stick even the closest family members ignore you they may not be outright nasty to you but you are not no longer important and uh, so life goes on people will go on without you this is a harsh truth but it's a fact vartam prichati kopinage it's more he's more direct than that nobody is going to ask twice about how you are or even once maybe um then what should one do worship the lord worship govinda worship govinda worship govinda foolish one rules of grammar profit nothing when the hour of death is at hand one more then there is a famous one punarapi jananam punarapi maranam punarapi janani jathare shayanam iha sansade bahudustade kripaya pare pahi murare bhajagovindam bhajagovindam govindam bhajamudhamate sampraapte sannihite kale nahi nahi rakshati dukrin karane unceasing births unceasing death unceasing that means once again birth and once again death once again passing through the mother's womb hard indeed it is to cross the world's wide ocean o lord redeem me through thy mercy worship govinda worship govinda worship govinda foolish one rules of grammar profit nothing once the hour of death is close at hand so and so on and there is a long uh, stotra but i just point but out a few which are directly relevant to you know death aging and death and here sri krishna says that 
who remains focused on me alone at the time of death and lets go of the body, that person attains to me alone. There is no uh, doubt about this at all. Um, first, let us see the, the case of the enlightened one, the Jivan Mukta, who has already realized, I am Brahman. I was consulting different commentaries on this, these two verses, these next these three verses which we'll do today. And uh, I found the famous Marathi commentary uh, by Gyaneshwar, or it's called Gyaneshwari or Gyaneshwari. I can't read Marathi, but I was reading the English and Hindi translations. Very in soaring terms, but he, he interprets it entirely from the perspective of the enlightened one. He says, the enlightened one is ever immersed in God, effortlessly so. Um, then he goes on to say, imagine um, the uh, hut in vast space and all around, surrounded by space. And there's space inside. He says a monastery, actually. In the monastery, there is space outside in the vast sky outside and space inside. Um, it is space and space alone. Exactly like that, the body is uh, like... The enlightened one's body is like the, the house, the monastery. The inside consciousness, outside consciousness, you are immersed in that. Then he gives another example. He says, a pot which is immersed in the wide waters of a river. There is water inside and water outside. And if the pot breaks, is the water destroyed? It's only one water again, uh, all the time. Similarly, for the enlightened one, uh, what is so-called inside, thoughts, feelings, emotions, nothing other than pure consciousness. And outside, this entire external world, nothing other than Satchidananda, existence, consciousness, bliss. If one day the body goes, the physical body disappears, and it, it dies and goes back to uh, nature, nothing is lost. Even the subtle body, for the enlightened one at the point of death of the physical body in the last life, uh, the subtle body also will go back to nature. Where the enlightened one is not even in the least perturbed. He gives some more examples. He says, like a snake sheds off its skin, uh, like um, the, and then he gives an example which might appeal to people in India now. He says, when it's very hot, when you take off some clothes, uh, so is the does the snake does the snake perish? Uh, is, is are its bones broken? Uh, if uh, do, do, are your limbs broken because you have taken off some clothes? Not at all. There's, it it's, uh, it makes no difference to you. Similarly, the enlightened one. If the body, it's an appearance in consciousness. It's like a vague partition in consciousness. Uh, so it is one unlimited consciousness. That's what the enlightened one is constantly centered in. He'll barely notice. He did not notice the body when it was present. Why should he notice the body when it's gone? So in such glorious terms, he speaks about the state of the enlightened one. Such an enlightened one is ever steady in in the Atman in Brahman, which is called Vishnu here, Tad Vishnu Paramampadam or um, uh, Vasudeva Sarvam, that is the uh, realization of the enlightened one. Everything is Vasudeva, everything is this all-pervading reality. The enlightened one is, is centered in that. So not concerned about the body when it was living. When the body dies, why should we at all be concerned about it? Not at all. Um, that is the state of the enlightened one. It's just like this. Um, just as we have a 
constant effortless awareness of our own existence i am we all have this feeling i am this amness isness it's effortlessly there you don't have to do any practice for it you don't have to think about it in fact even when you're not thinking about it in the background it's clear that i am now this is true for everybody whether you are a spiritual seeker whether you are interested or not interested in, in spirituality or whether you are enlightened the difference is this the enlightened one has realized what is this i amness the infinitude this very i amness vedanta reveals to the enlightened one the fact that your i am not the thought the reality which the thought points to that reality the atman is immortal existence is ever shining consciousness and is unlimited there is nothing that it lacks it is ever fu- full purnam it is amrita um, immortal uh, it is ananta um, limitless limitless in in time limitless in space it is advaita non dual there is in fact nothing apart from it whatever appears appears in you this unlimited existence so this such is the glory of your real nature and therefore there is nothing that you could want the appearance of a body and then the disappearance of a body it matters nothing to you the appearance of a mind and subtle body and disappearance of that particular mind and subtle body doesn't matter at all to you so this is the state of the enlightened one so i'm just reading um, um a long time ago an academic paper recent vedanta by one george burke um, so he met one philosopher in india matilal not matilal sorry um malkani gr malkani so he was a committed non dualist and he quoted a very interesting sentence from malkani which i will read out to you what is vedanta he quotes this the great initial step this is according to malkani and quoted by this scholar george burke the great initial step is to draw a clear cut line between our intuition of our self and our intuition of the not self so this is atman atma viveka drik drishya i feel i have clear feeling of my own existence and through the mind and the senses and so on i have this notion that there are other things other than me this clarity of the difference between self and not self first then next he puts it very beautifully what is vedanta the whole of vedanta malkani says is merely the development of the full significance of this only non empirical form of reality intuited by all so this is because the philosophical philosopher is putting it in a slightly complex way this whole of vedanta is just to come to appreciate he says this is the only form of non empirical reality intuited by all intuited means directly felt by all of us what is that thing everything else is empirical through the senses with seeing hearing smelling tasting touching we come to know through the mind uh, we read books we infer we understand we believe uh, all of this is empirical reality uh, something through the instruments of knowledge but there is one non empirical reality there is only one thing which is directly available to us our own existence and he says all of vedanta whole of vedanta is merely the development of the full significance of this reality which is intuited by all everybody feels this we don't know what it is it's like that washerman's diamond mr ramkrishna tells the story we begin to realize 
The wise person, the diamond merchant who told the washerman, it's not a rock. You're using it to scrub clothes, but it's a diamond. It will fulfill all your wants. Similarly, uh, the Vedanta is the diamond merchant who tells us we have the diamond. It is that direct feeling of your own existence. But you don't know what it is. We take it as very common. We don't know what it is. All right. But this is not really whom the verse is directed at. Though um, uh, Gyaneshwar, Sant Gyaneshwar says he takes it entirely that it is directed at the enlightened one. But now there is the other one who is not yet enlightened but devoted to God. And so uh, remember we are in chapter from chapter 7 onwards. This is the part of the Gita. This next six chapters are devoted to the worship of God, devotion to God. Which God is this? The God of religion, um, the Lord of the universe. So those who are devoted to God and yet not yet enlightened, specifically this verse has some advice and what the verses which follow afterwards. Uh, for the enlightened one, they're constantly immersed in, in the reality. They don't it doesn't, that doesn't make any difference. They don't have to do any special practice at the time of physical death. It's not that they are enlightened, so they don't need to think about God. They can have a party before dying. No, they are naturally immersed in God consciousness, effortlessly, so all the time. Others who are devoted to God. So here is um, what is called Saguna Brahma Upasana, worship of Saguna Brahman, Brahman with qualities, that is Ishwara, that is God. Saguna Brahman is equal to Ishwara, is what we might call God in English, the God of religion. Those who worship God, not yet enlightened, um, they need to pay special attention at the time of death. Now, there are two who are two kinds who worship God. One is Nishkama, one is Sakama. There is a kind who worships God, they want enlightenment, we are there. We are, most of us are like that. We worship God, we want enlightenment. We want moksha, we want freedom. And we develop devotion to God with the hope and prayer, by the blessings of God, we will transcend samsara. This is our hope in life and we don't want things in samsara. So that is one category. These are sadhakas, we are mumukshu, seekers of moksha seekers of enlightenment and liberation. But there is another category of people who are devoted to God, sakam, with desire. Who are these people? They are not particularly interested in enlightenment and moksha. They are basically interested in um, having it good in this life. Let me be rich and prosperous and all. That's, that's central. And let the family be well and all of that. After death, I will go to heaven. And afterwards, Again, come back to this life in a, in a, in a better you know, human, positioned human life and so on. They have no particular spiritual quest at this time. So they may also think about God, but this verse is not directed to them. This verse and this chapter is directed to us who are devotees, who want God, who are not particularly looking for advantages in samsara or going to one of the lower heavens, you know where it's a very pleasant kind of existence and then again you come back to samsara from that. No, we are not uh, interested in coming back. We want freedom. We want to attain God-realization. Not having attained God-realization yet. And now, what? how do we um, uh, practice so that at the time of death we will remember God? 
this is the subject matter of this verse. In Vedanta, two types of moksha are recognized. Sadhyomukti, instant liberation. Kramukti, sequential liberation. Sadhyomukti is instant liberation. Instant liberation, you realize you are Brahman and you are liberated. So I want that one. How do I do that one? And that one is only through knowledge. You come to Vedanta, Shankara, whose birthday is today, he is teaching us that. Shavana, Manana, Nididhyasana. You listen to these teachings, think about it, meditate upon it till it becomes a living reality for you. And you get, you are liberated. You will be called Jivan Mukta, liberated while living in this life itself. The other kind is Krama Mukti, where I must admit that I have not yet realized I am Brahman. I cannot claim to be a Jivan Mukta. But I have devotion and I want liberation. So such persons who have led a moral life, who are deeply devoted to God and who, are, who want liberation, who don't want things in this world anymore, they will not come back. If they can think, they will go to uh, the highest heaven, which is called, where from where there is no return, Brahmaloka. A Satya Loka, these are the names, but this is equivalent to, I think, what we call Vaikuntha or Kailasha or the Christian heaven or the Islamic heaven, the, the highest heaven where you, you are in the presence of God. And that is also moksha because there is no rebirth from there. You still retain your individuality and you live in the presence of, in, in, in great bliss and joy in the presence of God. And because Non-dualist, classical non-dualist Advaitins will insist you must get the realization of Brahman. So the solution is that in that um, place, uh, in that highest heaven, uh, you get the realization. Because then I think you have Brahma as your teacher there. The best possible teacher, not a human teacher, a divine teacher. And you are also in a much better position to understand Vedanta. The same Vedanta will be taught to you and you will realize you are Brahman and you get Moksha, some such solution is given there. You can get liberation from there itself. Um, this is particularly appealing to devotees. This, um, I am devoted to God. After death, I shall go to God and stay with God. And if God wants to give me non-dual knowledge and final liberation, that's fine. Somebody asked me a question. That yes, I'm very interested in what you teach as non-dual Vedanta, but my bhakti samskaras come in. That I have great devotion to God. So, how can I use my bhakti to get non-dual enlightenment? So, the answer there is, suppose you ask this question to uh, Sri Ramakrishna. He would say there's no need. Um, remember in the Gospel of Sri Ramakrishna class we were studying, he says, think of uh, Brahman as an unlimited ocean. And in that ocean, uh, that water takes, freezes into different forms of ice, which, are the, which is the personal God. And then you have devotion to that personal God in that particular name and form. Um, so Vishnu or Shiva or one of the avatars, Rama or Krishna or Ramakrishna. And um, you are dealing with the same reality as, as the ocean. The ocean and the iceberg are made of the same water. So what is Brahman is also the personal God, Saguna Brahman. Only the name and form, the appearance and the apparent objectivity that it is a god that is apparent uh, and then Sri Ramakrishna himself says when the sun of knowledge rises the ice melts away back into the ocean that means the name and form dissolve back into the um, nameless formless uh, reality the transcendent reality which is Brahman um, so 
Sri Ramakrishna's answer to that question, how will I get non-dual uh, realization? You know, I've got bhakti, but how do I get non-dual realization? He said, no, bhakti enough is, is enough because you will get the same, uh, same reality as the non-dualists will get. So that's one. The second answer would be, no, supposing, let's be a little more strict, non-dual knowledge is necessary. Then how will bhakti help? Again, Sri Ramakrishna says, my mother has shown me what is there in Veda Vedanta. So you, if you pray to the Lord, you are devoted to say Krishna or Devi. You pray to the Lord, you pray to the mother, and she will grant you that knowledge. Uh, so perhaps much more effectively than all the Vedantins who are attending lots of classes, reading lots of books and arguing a lot, you might just like that get the knowledge of non-duality. And it has happened. And the even more strict if you want to be that, no, even after bhakti, devotion, one must still come to classical Advaita Vedanta. Then also, even the most strict classical Advaita Vedantin will have to admit that a mind purified, um, made sublime by deep devotion to God is much more capable of uh, realizing the teachings of Advaita Vedanta than, say, a beginner's mind, than, say, a mind which does not have devotion to God. Uh, Swami Vivekananda said, an ounce of practice is worth 20 tons of tall talk. So I had said to the person who asked this question that uh, if you have an ounce of bhakti and have 20 tons of tall non-dualistic talk, you may be actually further along the path of spiritual development than the person who's giving long lectures on non-dualism. So this person who has genuine devotion, um, it is of great help in non-dual knowledge also. All right. And so what is men meant by this verse? At the time of death, who thinks of me and gives up the body? And we see this in the lives of so many devotees, so many saints, how deeply immersed they are in, uh, in God consciousness. So what think of me means? Me means Krishna here. It could mean any avatar, Rama or Jesus. Or it could mean um, the, uh, uh, it means God. In fact, Shankaracharya says actually it means uh, Vishnu. Uh, it means uh, God, Saguna Brahman, in whichever form. It could be Shiva, it could be Vishnu, it could be Devi, uh, it could be the Christian idea of the formless God, with form, without form, with qualities, formless, with qualities. Uh, formless, without form would become Nirguna Brahman. But this is, this, it is, what is meant here is Saguna Brahman. It could be any of the avatars. It could be in any particular form. Thinking about that. How do you think of that? One may be meditating on God. One may be visualizing. It's easier for a person who has got Mantra Diksha and Ishta Devata. Much easier. So one may visualize for a lifetime. One has practiced thinking about a particular form of God. and particular name. Visualize that. Repeat the mantra. Or other aids. We know how, for example... If a person is dying, people repeat the name of God near that person. Maybe the pictures of um, the Lord are kept in the room in front of the eyes of the um, dying person and so on. Uh, I remember one Swami, he was very ill and uh, towards the end of his life. Uh, we didn't know how much of his faculty he, he possessed. I think he was a disciple of. Uh, Swami Shankaranandji, probably. I still remember this scene 
that old, that old Swami who was dying, he was paralyzed in uh, both arms, uh, in one, paralyzed in both feet and one arm. And uh, lying down in the bed and somebody pointed to a picture of Swami Shankarananda and said, Swami Maharaj, do you remember who this is? And the old Swami whispered, Guru, Guru. So <laughs> he remembers all those things, although he might have taken Mantra Diksha 60 years ago or something like that, 70 years ago. So one remembers at the time of death. It could be in the form of somebody reminding you, taking the name of God, chanting the name of God near a person who's dying. Um, we also feel that right after death, if a person is not liberated, person is liberated means it's, he's gone. Not liberated, the presence is still there near the body. So there's, for example, Gita chanting. When a monk passes in, in uh, our order, in the body, where the body is kept, in our main monastery, there was a system. We as novices, we would be said, we would be told that such and such monk has passed. So we, a group of us would go and we'd sit down and start uh, chanting the Gita, the Bhagavad Gita. So once it so happened, this is a story there. The group of brahmacharis went, they were told that go to that such and such room and the monk there has passed and you start chanting the Gita. And uh, the brahmacharis went and dutifully sat down. They saw somebody, some body there lying covered with a blanket they started uh, chanting and that monk jumped up from the blanket outside the came out of poked his head out of the blanket and said not in this room you fools the next room means he was not dead he was just lying down the room swami in the next room had passed um i remember this story about swami t here in um in our Vedanta society. So I will not take the name. Um, two persons who were there at that time, Swamiti at that time apparently had fainted. And this gentleman devotee uh, who is here, who lives here in New York, he told me the story. He was nearby and there was a lady here who's a nurse. She desperately called this person and said, we have, we have to take the Swami to the hospital. And so, and Swami T was heavy, so they had to desperately sort of maneuver his body downstairs and, and put him in the car and rush to the hospital. And uh, they started chanting Hari Om Ram Krishna because Swami T had told them that when I pass, you should chant Hari Om Ram Krishna. So they were driving and chanting Hari Om Ram Krishna, where suddenly Swami T suddenly he was, you know, he sat up in the back seat and he said, Not this time, you fools. And then promptly fainted again. <laughs> So he says, this, I'm, I haven't passed. I'm not going to pass this time. Um, so in whichever way, one must uh, remember God. In old times in India, they would take the dying person near the Ganga, the river Ganga. So they would touch the river Ganga while passing. So just to remember something divine or something holy. And what happens? The one who passes in this way will attain to God. This is an important um, exception being made by Krishna. The rule is, whatever we think of at the time of death, that will have an impact on our next birth. And that next birth is determined by our past karma. So whatever we strongly think about, you know, a person, money, pain, suffering, misery, guilt, whatever comes at the time of death, that will evoke our past karma. So whatever karma is sort of according to that, that last that last thought is powerful, but so is our past karma. It's not just the last thought. 
So a combination of these things will set us on the new a path to a new birth, a new embodiment. So there's the story of Jada Bharat, the king who retired to the forest to meditate on God and attain enlightenment. But there he was bored, of course, and he was lonely. So he made a pet, a little deer. And he was so enamored of the pet that all his days were taken, spent in taking care of that deer and uh, you know, feeding it and taking care of it. And he thought so much about it. And at the time of death also, he was just thinking, who will take care of that deer when I'm gone and so on and so forth. Next life, he was born as a deer. So that's, I don't know if uh, you should take it literally, but it's a statutory warning that be careful of what we think about at the time of death. I have seen people, those who, of course, are um, like emergency room nurses and doctors, they have seen many, many more deaths. But I know of cases where people have just thought about money at the time of death, somebody dying. Uh, and this lady, she told her husband and children that um, uh, the last thing was there under that cupboard, there is some cash that I had stashed away. Now, it's important for her that my children should get that money. But really, that's what you're going to think of at the time of death. On the other hand, there are so many such cases. And I have seen myself, not just monks, devotees um, who at the time of death have passed with great dignity, um, centered in God. I have myself seen that. Um, I've shared this with you also sometimes. A lady in Canada in a hospice, she contacted me saying that I want to speak with you on Skype. And I didn't know the details, so I said, I generally don't want to have, don't uh, encourage personal interaction too much. But then she said, I said, all right, we'll, we'll see when, the, when I get an opportunity. She said, I don't have time. I'm going to die soon. So I would like to speak before you would die. And so, of course, I spoke with her and I spoke with her several times. And she had been a spiritual practitioner uh, for her whole life. And so... I was impressed by her dignity, her calmness, her straightforwardness. And um, she, I don't even know. I just saw her on Skype. I didn't even know exactly where she was. She was in Canada in a hospice somewhere. And um, then one day I remember I said to her, I was so impressed. I said to her, I hope when the time comes for me to die, I will uh, die with the you know, dignity and centeredness that you are showing. And she smiled and she said, I'm sure you will, Swami. And uh, then uh, I remember after a few conversations, there was silence. And I sort of knew that was the end. Uh, so weeks later, there was one last call from her niece who took care of uh, her aunt. And she said those conversations really helped her. And when she passed, in the last days, and when she passed, the room was like a meditation room. It was so still and silent and and deep and peaceful. Um, so imagine, and this is one example. There are many, many such examples that people can remain centered in God and, uh, and give up the body at that time. Otherwise, what happens? Number six. Yang yang vapis maran bhavam tyajanteyante kalevaram. Sorry, 
यम यम वापी स्मरन भाव त्यजत्यंते कलेवर तम तमेवैति कांतेय सदा तद्भाव भावित thinking of whatever object the time of death a person leaves the body he attains a son of kunti that very object being constantly absorbed in its thought so like worst case like the king bharata jara bharata who uh, became a deer in in his next life so all the dog lovers be careful <laughs> here in new york have lots and lots of people who would dearly dearly love their pets you may but uh, well it's good to see the divine in the dog also god in the dog and so direct your devotion your love to god in all beings now next so what should we do the next verse is very important and everything that follows will be sort of development on the next verse so next verse is very important seventh verse tasmat sarveshu kaleshu उटोटेंटेड those who are enlightened are effortlessly centered so i am not speaking about them but those who are not yet enlightened but do have devotion who want god realization who want moksha do you make this as, as in this a serious practice because one cannot do that at the time of death at the time of death alone there is uh, pain and there is uh, weakness and there is um, you know a person might go into a coma so it's it's actually what is more important is to remain absorbed in god all through one's life as far as possible and the body will live and go according to past karma so as much as possible sarveshu kaleshu at all times so at all times means um, at the time of devotion certainly at the time of meditation and japa certainly but at the time when you are relaxed at the time when you are working at all times ma manusmara yuddhacha think of me remember me remember god and he adds fight the battle of life arjuna might say good now i am going to do hari ram hari krishna and sit there i won't fight the battle and that's what i want anyway krishna says no 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 you have to fight the battle of life you have to do what you are supposed to do in life wherever you have been put in life there is something that you have to do and that is not against your spiritual uh, development why where we have been put the battle that we have to fight you may change it you may give up that that particular battle and then become a monk but then there will be another battle to fight there will be another circumstance your own karma will not leave you it will come in another form there so that uh, you have to do if you are not in a household or not in the samsara you are in a ashram then in the ashram duties have to be done so you can't just cut off the external world entirely and just retreat into yourself no you have to remain engaged and yet think of me ma manusmara yuddhyacha contemplate me and do your duty isn't it some people say isn't it enough to do one's duty no you have to think of god if you want liberation god realization you have to keep your mind on god isn't it enough to think of god only no both are necessary 
I have mentioned it in different occasions. I think sometimes I think the message of the Gita is this one. Practical message. Tell me what to do. Forget all the metaphysics and theology and philosophy and all that. Dvaita, Dvaita. Forget knowledge, devotion, meditation. Just tell me what to do. Ma manusmara yudhyacha. Think of me and fight the battle of life. That's it. I, I remember in, in the Bible, when the Jews who were around Jesus Christ, they asked, uh, which is the most important commandment? And the more than 500 commandments in the, in the Torah. So which is the most important commandment, uh, my Lord? And he said, love the Lord thy God with all thy heart and all thy might. You see, Mahmanuspara, think of me, contemplate me, love God with all thy might. And then he, he doesn't let it go. He says, and love thy neighbor. You can't cut out the world. You must uh, love God and the world. You must meditate on God and act in the world. Krishna says exactly the same thing. And you see, Vivekananda, when he gave a motto to our order, Atmano Mokshartam Jagathitaya Cha, for your own liberation, for the liberation of the sentient being, and for the welfare of the world, the same and love the Lord and, and love thy neighbor. Contemplate me and act in life, fight the battle of life. Work for your liberation and work for the welfare of the world. The same and comes through all the time. From an Advaitic perspective, this is understandable. See, if I'm looking for the liberation of the subject and I ignore the object, it is not non-duality. Uh, Non-duality means that which appears as I, this person, this lim limited individual who's looking for liberation and this world which appears before me, they're both the same reality. If I say I'm not concerned about the world, not concerned about anything, I will not do anything here and just going to look inwards and find I am the witness consciousness. That's Sankhya, but that's not Advaita. Advaita means with eyes closed and with eyes open. Your own liberation and welfare of the world. Ranganathanji is beautiful. You know, the simplest expression of spirituality. What is spirituality? When, my, when I close my eyes, I find peace within. When I open my eyes, my attitude is, what can I do for you? This is the same thing. Krishna says, contemplate me, fight, fight the battle of life. And um, Jesus says, love the Lord, love thy neighbor. And Vivekananda says, Work for your own liberation. Your, for, for your own liberation. What is your life for? For your own liberation and for the welfare of the world. So it's the same and which Krishna says here. Ma manusmara yudhyacha. Sarveshu kalesha. So Ram Sukhdasji comments here at all times. Now this yudhyacha, the duties of life are not there at all times. This all times is meant for think of God. And the duties of life, the battle of life is occasional. Various kinds of duties will come and go according to what duties there are, according to your capacity. You will do some. You will, at times, there won't be much to do. Uh, and as Sri Ramakrishna says, as you progress in spiritual life, the external, the battle of life will become quieter and quieter. The duties will become less and less. At that time, don't feel left out. You know, people don't bother about me anymore. Nobody calls me to parties and... and uh, I'm bored. No, 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 no. Be grateful. Suppose somebody is old and sick and unable to do anything. I remember one senior monk so beautifully. He was a very hard worker. 
He did a lot of things in many ashrams, but in the end, for many years, he was very sick, and not just for a short illness, a long illness. But he was always happy. And he said, there is a great joy in being used, broken, and set aside. You know, used by the Lord, the Lord used me with this body and mind, this person, to do something in the world. It's done. Now I can't do anything more. It's, I'm too sick. I've been set aside, discarded. Good. I'm at, I'm at this great peace. There's a great joy in being used, broken, and set aside. So, um, duties of the world will come and go, increase and decrease, but thinking of God must go on. So, Sarveshu Kaleshu at all times refers specifically to the thought of God. And this can be in many forms. It can be the japa you do. So, how you will do it, Ram Sukhdasji does a nice analysis. How will you, um, uh, how will you think of the Lord? He gives three kinds. Um, Jnana Janya, Sambandha Janya, Kriya Janya. Born of enlightenment, born of uh, relation, born of action. So born of enlightenment. How do you remember God born of enlightenment? Which I have already spoken about at the beginning. It's effortless. You and the Lord are one reality. It's a living reality for you. There is, uh, it's no more effort is needed to think of the Lord than is you know, your effortless awareness of your own existence. You and the Lord are one reality. It's always present. Uh, you have no choice in the matter. You are immersed in, in the radiance of divinity all the time. So that's a wonderful thing. So that's the Jnana Janya, born of enlightenment. That's one. Second, Sammanda Janya, born of relationship. Suppose we don't have that extraordinary enlightenment. I am Brahman, or the Brahman is the only reality that is. Then second is this relationship. As we develop a strong relationship, so in terms of crisis, in terms of loneliness, in terms in the time of death, people remember uh, their um, you know, the beloved ones, elderly people remember children, grandchildren, or sometimes they remember elderly people at the point of death, they remember their own mother and father. Yeah? Uh, I mean, recent memories may fade away. Even memories of children and grandchildren may fade away. Maybe old memories come back at that time. It happens often. That's powerful relationship. Now, what he's suggesting here is use that. Set up this powerful relationship with God. God is my father. God is my mother. God is my beloved. My only friend is all in all for me. Or even God is my beloved child. So these are various relationships. In Vedanta, we divinize our relationship with human beings and we humanize our relationship with the divine. What does that mean? For with all human beings, instead of saying father, mother, husband, wife, we, see, we try internally, we try to see God in all. We feel that the divinity, same divinity everywhere. And with the divine, with God, God is father, mother. Of course, God is not a father, mother, brother, sister. God is infinite existence, consciousness, bliss, glorious beyond any such ordinary human relationship. But it's important to make God one's own. Sri Ramakrishna says again and again that uh, the more close you feel, see, awestruck, infinite existence, consciousness, bliss, but that just makes you feel awestruck and distant. But my father, my beloved mother, my friend, so Krishna is Arjuna's friend. 
Krishna is uh, Yashoda's child, is Radha's beloved. Uh, so like that. So this very close relationship, we automatically remember such a relationship more and more. And at the time of death also, it comes to mind very quickly. So develop a relationship with God. You can even think of God as my all in all. Father, mother, uh, uh, friend, child, everything. My treasure is, is my Lord. And so this very close relationship, intensely emotional. All our emotions are tied up with my beloved Lord. So many such examples are there. The mind runs automatically. You wake up from um, uh, deep sleep. First thing is the thought of my beloved Lord. I go into sleep, last thing you think about is the beloved Lord. In your dreams, you, the God comes to you. So, you might think it's just conditioning. It is conditioning. No harm. It, it's the best possible kind of condition. Instead of thinking of uh, just the world. I remember this one monk who was mad, literally uh, insane. I remember him. He was quite, quite a character. Uh, but even when he would rant in his insanity, you talk only about God. He talked crazy stuff, maybe, but only about God. I've seen another monk who lost his marbles. In, uh, but um, all he did was he would not leave Belurmat, the temple. And I literally mean the temple. He would just be around the temple. The temple closed. He would go outside the temple and sit, waiting for the temple to reopen. And when the temple reopened, he was too restless to sit and meditate. He would, uh, and, you know, Pradakshina. Round and round the temple he would go. Uh, even in his last days, he's just immersed in uh, the thought of God in, in a crazy way. But it's that's the conditioning. So that is um, sambandha janya. Then another one is kriya janya by action, by practice. So Sri Ramakrishna gives many examples how, in the midst of our action, we can hold on to God. One example he gives is the the child who is holding on to a pillar and whirling round and round and playing and, and laughing delightedly, but very careful not to let go of the pillar because he knows if he lets go of the pillar, the little boy knows I'll be thrown and I'll hurt myself. So he's holding on to the pillar and whirling round and round. Similarly, hold on to God. That whirling round and round is whatever you do in, in the world. Then you can laugh delightedly like the child because you're holding on, but you have to be careful not to let go of God. Another example he gives is of uh, of the um, the woman who the women of the village who go to collect water and they have pots of various sizes they collect water at the village well and when they come back they have got these pots of water which they put on their head big pot and the medium pot and the small pot and they're filled with water and it's quite heavy and it's perfectly balanced and all these women are coming back home and they're talking to each other and the, the village gossip they're gossiping with each other. But the first thing is, they're very careful that the pots should not fall. Otherwise, they'll fall and break. Um, then the So just like that, one can keep one's mind on God and then do whatever has to be done in the world. And one final um, example, many examples. One more example is the balance in the shop. So what you want, you put it on one side, on one pan of the balance. And the shopkeeper puts weights on the other side. And the balance comes up uh, until it balances. Now, um, nowadays, of course, you have electronic balances in, in the supermarket. But 
the actual weights balance that is what is Sri Ramakrishna referring to. Now here he doesn't want you to balance the world and God. He wants that the pan on which God is there should be heavier. It should be lower. It should come down on the side of God and come up from the world. Whenever you notice that it is going down on the side of the world and the, it is coming away from God, you should put more weight here. Uh, more japa, more devotion, more reading and push this balance down towards the side of God. This is the mind. On which side is it leaning? Like a seesaw, children are playing. Uh, so you want it to lean on the side of God, not on the side of the world. So notice each of these examples has a separate um, thrust. One is whirling round and round, holding on to the pillar. There, you are afraid. If you let go of God, you will be hurt. So use that. Be careful. Don't let go of God throughout your life. That's, that's the one thing. Otherwise, one will be hurt in this world. The second one example is of the village woman, women with the um, pots of water. So that shows one can carefully take care of keeping mind on God. And then one can do pretty complex tasks in the world. You know, well, how can I do this or that in the world if I'm thinking about God? No, look how those village women are able to do it. It just takes attention and practice. Attention and practice. And like you drive, you're driving. Your first priority is not to hit anybody. You're supposed to drive. And then you look at the road signs, you listen to the radio, you talk to more people in the car, all of that. You can do everything in the car. But there is a certain thing which is primary. Everything is not equal. The primary thing is safety and the, you know, the road and keeping your eyes on what's happening. So a complex task can be performed keeping one thing primary. Keeping God primary, like those women remember how alert they are. And then they can do other things also. You can lead your life quite well. How do you do these things? Yeah, that pan example is important. Notice where, what's the condition of the mind. Is it down on the side of the world or is it uh, down on the side of God? And if it's down on the side of the world, too much worldliness, put more weight there. It's a beautiful example. More practices. Let it come down on the side of God. Uh, these are with the ways. What are the ways? Jnana Janya, Sammanda Janya, Kriya Janya. Born of enlightenment, born of um, relationship established through emotions, love. And then born of action. Even in that born of action, Swami Ramsukdas Ji makes um, some divisions. One is, worldly action is primary, remembering God is in the background. So sometimes, it's something very important I have to do. Like a like a serious meeting in the office or you are solving a, a programming problem on your computer or you're attending to a person who requires full attention. So your attention on God goes in the background. And so little japa at the beginning of the world. So I'm Brahmananda says, do a little japa, offer everything to God at the beginning of the work. Remember God once in the middle of the work and offer everything to God at the end of the work. That's in the background. But your work is in the foreground. That's one option. Or remembering God and doing the work. So remembering God is in the foreground, like that uh, village woman holding the, uh, the pots of water, carefully balancing that. That's priority. Like the driver being careful of safety. That's priority. And the other part of it is secondary. So somebody is holding on carefully to the thought of God. Maybe the japa. Very careful that the japa should not slip out of my mind. And it's some mechanical act that you're performing. Maybe doing the dishes or gardening or um, um, whatever. 
which does not require so much attention. So the first one is full attention on the, on the work which is going on in the world and little background holding, not forgetting God. Second one is holding on to God in the full attention and uh, the work in the world is secondary. Third one is the work in the world itself is the worship of God, which is the Karma Yoga, Shiva Jnana Jiva Seva. That this work which I am doing is the worship of God. So it is fully related to, to God. Um, this a mother working for the child, she may be shopping, she may be cleaning, she may be cooking. The work is shopping, cleaning, cooking, but it's all related to the child. Similarly, I may be running an ashram, you may be working in the office, Arjuna may be fighting a battle. It's all the worship of the Lord. And if you know Shiva Jnana Jiva Seva, by knowing that it is all Shiva, uh, my service to humanity is the worship of Shiva. That's another way of keeping your mind on God, to transform the work itself into the worship of God. Okay, I think we have run out of time. Let me do the Shanti Mantra and then quickly take a look at the questions. Om Shanti, 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 Hari Om Tatsat, Shri Ramakrishna Arpanamastu. Number of questions. Let me quickly take a look. So, Shankaracharya was walking past Gurukul Maranas. He heard the Guru scolding the students for issues with hearing Dukrin Karana. Hearing this, Shankara said, Dukrin Karana will not save you at the time of death, right? Beautifully sung by Shubhulakshmi and also by Pandit Jasraj. Yes, Niraji, that's right. It's a very famous uh, hymn. Patrick said, I've heard it said, you've said it as well, that most part we are not in control of our thoughts when we are passing. That's the need for practice now. In many cases, yes, there may be weakness, there may be suffering, or a person may just go into coma, no, no possibility of any kind of thinking at all. The main thing is to think of God. And remember, God doesn't make it a condition. Oh, you didn't think of me at the last moment, and that's it then. Um, I'm not going to. Go back into the cycle of birth and death. No. God is compassionate and all-powerful and God sees what is in our hearts. What we want, we will get. Um, Sangeeta says about the old and the... So when the body is in a broken, worn-out state, the world tends to ignore you. Question is, can it just be a practice towards enlightenment to make sure you don't ignore the old and the very sickly? Absolutely. Um, if their duty is to think of God, our duty is to think of God in them, in the old and the sickly, and you take care of them. That is a great, what is called a punya, and can be a great spiritual practice also. If someone, Gloria says, someone dies in distress, it can be who are left behind, help them. How? By our prayers. Rick says, Amma Mata Amritanandamai sometimes says, I'd rather wear out than rust. Yes. Similar to being used, broken and set aside. Imagine Swami Vivekananda. Instead of living for 100 years, he lives for 39 years. And whatever he has done in 10 years is what we are all living out of the capital that he accumulated. We are using that now. In 10 years, from 1893 to 1902, and that's it. Whatever he did is what we are, the benefit we are getting today. 
Jennifer says, Swamiji, can you clarify again about the Jnana Nishtha as an alternative to Bhagavan Bhakti? When death comes, is Jnana Nishtha enough? Certainly, Jnana Nishtha is enough. One may not have become enlightened, but uh, the centeredness, I am the Atman, is one all-pervasive existence consciousness place. Stay with that. And that is more important than thinking about whether I am enlightened or not enlightened. Am I a Jivan Mukta or not? One sadhu said, Uchintai hai. That is inauspicious thinking. Think rather that let it be, I am centered in my real nature, in the reality, as existence consciousness place. It doesn't matter at all whether the body stays or dies. And uh, Yogeshji says, Jnana vihine sarvam etena bhavati janmashatena. Yes, this is the war cry of a non-dualist. Whatever you may do, kurute ganga sagaragamanam prataparipalanam athavadanam. You may go on pilgrimage to the uh, Ganga Sagar. You may, uh, full, you may observe vows of fasting and so on. Or you may give greatly in charity. None of it is of any use unless you get enlightenment. Even in a hundred lifetimes, it's of no use. Jnana vihina, without enlightenment, without the realization, I am Brahman, none of this will not give you. They're not useless. They're all very good. But they will not give you freedom. They will not mukti, mukti nabhavati. That is true. Good. All right. Take care, everybody. Stay safe.